I'd like to start tonight by thanking you for your prayers on my behalf. I hope and I pray that our study of God's Word tonight will strengthen you in your faith. Hope and pray that God, first and foremost, is pleased with the worship we offer Him up here tonight. Very happy for the presence of our visitors. If you're here tonight and you consider yourself a visitor, I want to let you know how happy we are that you've decided to be here tonight to worship God with us. We hope that you'll continue to come back throughout the week as we continue through this gospel meeting that starts today. We hope each and every member of the congregation will help do their part, invite your friends, your family members, your co-workers, your neighbor, your neighbors to come and to hear the truth of God's Word. If I'm able to strengthen you or edify you in your faith tonight through the teaching of the Word, the glory goes to God for that, because He's the one who gives us the talents and abilities to do what we do for Him in His kingdom. Tonight I want to talk about coming face to face with Jesus. We're going to take this lesson tonight from a story we read about one individual and then another group of people in addition who came face to face with Jesus. Have you ever stopped and tried to imagine what it would be like to stand toe to toe and face to face with the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ? Stop for a moment, if you will, and just, just try to imagine that in your mind, what that would be like, the feelings, the emotions of that moment, being face to face with our Lord, our Master, our Savior, our Creator. It would truly be an awesome, awesome experience. Let's think about standing face to face with Jesus as we study from John chapter 8 tonight. In John chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, or right there in the middle of the crowd, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. I want to stop right there at this point in the story. We'll pick up with the rest of the story there in the middle of verse 6 in just a few moments. But I want you to stop and think about what happened on this day. You know, there were probably a lot of people in the city of Jerusalem committing sin on this day. Many of the sins committed that day were probably done in secret. Maybe a few of the sinners in Jerusalem got caught in their sin that day. Maybe a few. But of all the people in the city of Jerusalem who were sinning on this day, there was one woman, just one, who was caught in her sin and then brought before Jesus for his opinion concerning her and her situation. Now, imagine how humiliating it must have been for this woman. 
Now, I want to tell you something right from the very beginning. She was guilty. She was guilty of a, of a great and terrible sin, adultery. We won't make any excuse for her tonight. We won't minimize her sin in any way. She was guilty. Can you imagine in your mind this adulterous woman being drugged to the feet of Jesus and standing face to face with him? Imagine the contrast of that scene. A woman caught in the, the very act of adultery, dead in sin, standing face to face with this perfect and sinless only begotten Son of God. You know, I don't know what you think about when you think about standing face to face with Jesus. Think about standing face to face with Jesus in our sins, the sins that we commit. It's very humbling, isn't it? You know, standing face to face with Jesus, I think, to a lot of people brings thoughts of joy and excitement and happiness to their, to their mind until they realize where they truly stand in the sight of God, in their sin. It must have been very humbling and very humiliating for this woman to be put in this situation. Now, there are some few things that Jesus already knew before any of this ever happened. I think it's good for us to examine a few of those things. The first thing Jesus already knew is he knew the heart of this woman. Jesus knew this woman's heart. You know, if you back up a few chapters back to John chapter 4... There was a, a woman from Samaria who had a conversation with Jesus at Jacob's well. You remember that? Jesus and his disciples came to Jacob's well. They went into town to get food. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said, woman, give me a drink. And they began to have a conversation. You remember how that conversation ended? In John 4, beginning in verse 16, Jesus saith unto that woman, go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou, hast, whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. You know, Jesus just told this woman a lot about her life and her marriage relationships of her past. He knew this woman's heart in John 4, this Samaritan woman, just like he knew the heart of the woman taken in adultery in John 8. And you know, the woman in, of, of Samaria, her response to all this in John 4, 29, she left that day, she left that well and left her water pot there and went into the city and said, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And she was convinced. Jesus knew her heart. Told her things about her past. Maybe some of her deepest, darkest secrets. Jesus knew them. Jesus knows all of our hearts, doesn't he? Now, I don't know your heart. You don't know my heart. But Jesus knows your heart and he knows mine. Jesus knew the heart of this woman who was taken in adultery. I'll tell you something else Jesus knew. He knew the law of Moses and he knew what it said about adultery. And we'll go back and, and look at that in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. This is what the law of Moses said to, to the nation of Israel about adultery. Leviticus 20 and 10. The man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. 
This was the law of Moses concerning the sin that this woman was involved, with, involved in. Jesus knew this. I want to speak for a few moments about the law of Moses. I think it's important for us to understand the nature of the law. The law was holy. The law was good. But the law was not made for the righteous man. The law was made for the sinful man. And that's something we've got to keep clear in our minds, okay? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says this, The law was made for lawbreakers. 1 Timothy 1 and 8, But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners. And he continues to go on and on and on and talk about the sinfulness of mankind. The law wasn't made for the righteous. The law was made for the lawless and the disobedient. The law wasn't given to expose the goodness of man. It was given to expose the sinfulness of man. When we look at the law and then we look at ourselves, it doesn't teach us how good we are. It teaches us how prone to sin and wickedness that we are. That's what the law did. Uh, did. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 19. The law brought the knowledge of sin. It helps us see our sinfulness. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. The Bible says, Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Why? For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law brought the knowledge of sin. And, and maybe the best way I can explain all this to you you can spend your whole life driving up and down Interstate 27 and never once break the speed limit. You can drive the speed limit up and down this interstate every day of your life and obey that law. I want to tell you something. You're never going to get stopped and have the police officer thank you for obeying the law. Okay? That'll never happen. You'll never go to court and have the judge give you a reward for driving the speed limit. Okay? That'll never happen. You know, the law will leave you alone if you go out here and drive, drive the speed limit down Interstate 27. They're never going to put your name in the newspaper for driving the speed limit up and down Interstate 27. Okay? But the day you go out here on Interstate 27 and you break that law, you break the speed limit, you're going to get stopped. You're going to get a ticket. You're going to have to pay the fine. You might have to go stand before the judge because that's what the law does. It exposes and it condemns and it punishes wrongdoers. That's what it does. The law doesn't expose and, correct and congratulate and reward do-gooders. It exposes and condemns and punishes wrongdoers. It's the way the law works. Now, not only did Jesus know the heart of this woman, and not only did he know the law concerning adultery, Jesus knew the hearts of the scribes and the Pharisees that brought this woman to Jesus. He knew their heart too. He knew the sins of their past. And I'll tell you something else Jesus knew. He knew what was really going on in this situation. These people did not care about this woman. 
And I would submit to you on this occasion, they really didn't care all that much about what the law said. Jesus knew the motivation in their heart for them to bring this woman before him and ask him these questions about the law. They were trying to put Jesus in a pickle, weren't they? Jesus saw this all very, very clearly. He saw that the scribes and the Pharisees, as they had done many times before, were trying to put Jesus in one of those lose-lose situations, right? Let me help you understand that a little bit better. Here's what could have happened, and here's what the scribes and the Pharisees were reasoning might happen in this situation. They were thinking to themselves, you know, if Jesus tells us to take it easy on this woman, when we can come back at him and say, well, he doesn't honor the law of Moses, and he doesn't love the truth of the law. We, we got him. We got him. You know, if, if he shows grace to this woman and mercy to this woman, well, we can... We can get him and say he don't know the truth or he don't love the truth like he should, okay? That was one part of their strategy. That was one way it could have went, right? On the other hand, they were thinking, you know, if, if Jesus says, well, go ahead and stone the woman, I don't care. They could respond to that by saying, oh, look how harsh and, and look how heartless he is. He won't show any mercy to this poor woman. We got him. You know, they thought they had him either way, didn't they? You know, if, if he stands by the truth of the law of Moses and says, just take her out and stone her, then they could accuse him of not having grace and mercy. So it was one of those lose-lose situations they were trying to put Jesus in. If he shows grace, we can accuse him of not loving the truth. If he stands by the truth, we can accuse him of not showing enough grace. Okay? That's the situation they're putting Jesus into. But I, wanted, I want you to know something. Jesus was so wise about how to handle situations like this. He always knew how to respond when they tried to put him into these situations. And I'll tell you why Jesus knew how to respond to all this. I'm going to go back to John chapter 1 and explain something about Jesus. In John chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, John says, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus came, when God's Son took on flesh and came to this world, and John and the apostles beheld him and saw him, the glory that they saw was the glory of the fact that he was full of grace and truth. Now, skip down to verse 17. The law was given by Moses. And we talked about the law and what it does and what it's good at. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I want you to stop and think about what it means to be full of grace and truth. Jesus wasn't half grace and half truth. Okay? He wasn't full of grace, but only had three quarters truth. No, the Bible teaches here that he was full of both. Full of grace and full of truth. Now, keeping that in mind, let's finish this story in John chapter 8. And let's see Jesus exemplify this in the way that he deals with this woman taken in adultery. John 8 and 6, But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. 
So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. There's a few things I want you to notice about how Jesus handled this situation. The way Jesus responded to this, I want you to carefully notice, Jesus didn't tell them not to punish this woman. Now, I realize that's a double negative. But I want you to think about that. Jesus didn't tell them not to punish her. In fact, he told them to. He told them to. He said, go right ahead and stone her. But he put a qualification on it, a very important qualification we're going to talk about, okay? Jesus didn't say anything. It was contrary to the law of Moses. He didn't stand in the way of the law of Moses in any shape, form, or fashion. Jesus didn't tell him not to punish this woman. But you know, before Jesus said anything to him, the Bible says he stooped down on the ground and he wrote something there on the ground. Now, what did he write? Now, a lot of people have speculated as to what Jesus wrote on the ground. We could speculate all day long. One, one idea, one opinion, just as good as another. I don't know what Jesus wrote on the ground. I figure if it was important for us to know what Jesus wrote on the ground, that would have been revealed to us there in the Gospel of John, but it's not revealed. The important thing about it is not what was written on the ground, but the effect that it had on the people who brought this woman to Jesus. That's the important part, and that, that detail is revealed for us there in the text. Jesus wrote something to help them get the focus off the woman's sin and turn their focus back on their own sin. The Bible says he wrote something that caused them to be convicted by their own conscience. You know, they came to Jesus. They all came to Jesus with their fingers pointed at this woman, didn't they? Look, Jesus, look. Look at what she did. Here she is. She's guilty. She did it, Jesus. Here, look at her. You know, they wanted all the focus on the woman. But you know, whatever Jesus wrote on the ground got those people to point the fingers right back at themselves and clearly see and understand and be convicted by their own conscience. Jesus helped them see their own sinfulness. And you know, when the fingers were turned around and pointed back on themselves, they weren't all that excited about justice, were they? They wanted mercy. They'd come to see something good go down. You know, here she is, she's guilty. Mo Law Moses said stoner. They came with a lot of excitement. But being convicted by their own conscience and their own sinfulness, they, they hung their heads and walked away that day from Jesus. You know, we're, we're like that, aren't we? We tend to be like that. When it comes to other people's sins, you know, we think they ought to, suffer a lot of justice, and get very little mercy, very little grace. Now, if it's people who commit sin against us personally, 
Well, they get an extra helping of justice and no grace whatsoever. But then when it comes to our own sins, oh, we want lots of mercy, lots of grace, little justice, lots of grace for us and our sin. We tend to do that, don't we? I think that's something that happens right here in John chapter 8 with these scribes and Pharisees who brought this woman to Jesus. Now, true to his own godly nature, Jesus found a, a way to deal with this situation without compromising any grace and without compromising any truth. He applied grace and truth in perfect measure to this situation with the woman taken in adultery. Now, I want us to, to understand exactly how Jesus honored truth and how he applied grace to this situation. Concerning the way that Jesus honored truth, Jesus told this woman, he said, go and sin no more in verse 11. Jesus did not excuse, he did not minimize, he did not deny her sinfulness in any way. He told her to go and to sin no more. Now, when Jesus said there in verse 11, neither do I condemn thee, we've got to properly understand what he was saying. Some people misunderstand that, and they say, well, you see, Jesus wasn't going to condemn her for the adultery. It's okay to go out and sin. Jesus doesn't, he's not too hard on sin. Let me tell you something, Jesus always condemned sin. In fact, he hung on a cross and died for the sins of the world. What greater condemnation could there be against sin to take and crucify the only sinless and perfect man that ever walked the face of the planet? Jesus always condemned sin. So what he's saying here when he says, neither do I condemn thee to this woman, he's, he's telling her that he wasn't going to deliver her up for the lawful punishment of her sin. She was guilty. She was guilty. But you know, Jesus wasn't going to say, okay, woman, come on, we've got to go take you to the proper uh, person and we've got to line up a group of people and have you stoned. He wasn't going to do that. Not today. He wasn't going to do that. He certainly condemned her behavior. He called it sinful. He told her to go and to sin no more. Jesus was full of truth in the way that he, he dealt with this woman taken in adultery. But Jesus was also full of grace. He was full of grace. In verse 7, he said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Now, when Jesus said that, did a line form to the side? Did a line of people form and start picking up rocks and saying, Okay, Lord, we're, we're ready to go. No. Did anyone step forward on that day and say, Okay, Lord, I'll cast the first stone. Could anybody have rightfully stepped forward that day and said, Lord, I'll go first. I'll cast the first stone. Could anybody have stepped forward that day? Stone this woman? Initially, you might say, well, no. No. But in reality, there was a person standing there that day who had every right to pick up a stone and to execute justice and judgment against this sinful woman. You know who that person was? Let he that is without sin among you. Who was without sin among them? 
Jesus Christ. Though no man present had any right to pick up a stone and throw at her, he did. Because he was the perfect and sinless Son of God. And he chose not to do what he had every right to do on this day. And, and that, my friends, that, my brothers and sisters, is mercy and that is grace. Jesus was full of truth and at the very same time full of grace. God has every right to strike us down dead Every day, every day that we commit sin in His sight, He has every right, He would be perfectly justified in rewarding us with death every single time we sin. But does God do that? Does He strike us down dead? Does He send lightning bolts from heaven to strike us down dead when we sin? No. Instead of giving us what we deserve, which would be death, God sent His only begotten Son to come and pay that penalty for us. That's grace. That's mercy. How does this all apply to us today? What should we learn and take away from this lesson today from John chapter 8? The first thing would be this. We need to be careful about being too quick to point the finger at the sins of others without carefully considering the sinfulness of our own selves. I hope and pray the scribes and the Pharisees learned that lesson on this day. I think they probably did. Another thing that we can take away from this, you know, if we want mercy and if we want grace, we need to be ready, willing, and able to give mercy and to give grace to others. And we want God to be merciful and gracious to us. We need to show grace and show mercy to others. We should never try to excuse or minimize our own sins or the sins of the people around us. What I'm, what I'm saying here tonight is not, not to make a big deal out of sin. Not saying that in, in any way. Sin is devastating. It is destructive. It is shameful. There's never a good excuse for it. And we should never try to excuse or minimize our sin in any way. But I'll tell you something we should do. We should strive to be more like Jesus. Jesus honored truth and he gave grace perfectly at the same time. Now, I have trouble with this. I don't know about you. I struggle with this. If I could be more like Jesus... And if I could apply the perfect amount of grace and truth to every situation like this. Let's try to be more like Jesus. Let's learn a lesson from what happened in John chapter 8. Let's be full of grace as much as is, lies within us. Let's be full of truth. Let's try to show grace and show truth in perfect measure to those we come in contact with. By doing so, we're letting others see Christ living in us. Now, I want to tell you something. One of the saddest parts of this whole story, maybe you've never thought about it the way I have, but because the heart of the people who brought this woman to Jesus wasn't right in the sight of God, 
This woman was left all alone that day to go away from Jesus all by herself. Did you notice that? The people, the scribes and the Pharisees who brought this woman to Jesus because their heart wasn't right, because Jesus humbled them and they went away from that, from that uh, situation convicted by their own uh, conscience, there was nobody there left standing to walk away with that woman when she walked away from Jesus, having heard the words, go and sin no more. She was all alone. All alone. And I, and I think there's something that we can learn from that. If we can't show a brother and a sister the right combination of grace and truth, if our heart isn't right in the sight of God concerning these things, we can't really be there to support and to assist and to help a brother or a sister go forward from a sinful situation. Like, let's not be like these scribes and the Pharisees. Let's have the right heart so we can be there for one another. When we stumble, we can fall. We can help one another up and help one another go forward in a godly pathway. I hope and I pray that this woman taking adultery went forward in a godly pathway from that day. But you know, she didn't have anybody there to go with her because the people who brought her to Christ with the wrong heart weren't there to go away with her. We got to have the right heart so we can help and support our brothers and our sisters when they stumble and when they fall. We are Christ's people. We, we are followers of Christ. We need to do as Christ did. We need to be there for one another and help one another. And we won't be able to do it if we've got the same type of heart the scribes and the Pharisees had. How about your heart? Is your heart right with God tonight? Maybe you're here tonight and you've been living in sin. Maybe you're sort of like the woman taken in adultery. You know, she got caught in her sin. Maybe you're here tonight and you're living a life of sin. There's sinfulness that's crept into your life. Your family doesn't know about. Your brothers and sisters in the church don't know about. I don't know about. But remember, God knows your heart. He knows my heart. Is your heart right with God tonight? Maybe you're here tonight. And in times past, maybe you've had a heart more like the scribes and the Pharisees. A heart that is hard, unloving, unmerciful. Maybe in times past you haven't dealt properly with sinful situations in the life of people around you, loved ones. Maybe you haven't showed grace and truth like you should have done in the past. Is your heart right with God tonight? If your heart's not right with God, you can fix that tonight. There's no reason why you can't or no reason why you shouldn't. Make the changes that are necessary in your life to live a life that's well-pleasing in the sight of God. I don't know your heart. I don't know what's going on in, in your life. But if you're here tonight and you need the Lord, if you're here tonight and you need the help of God's people, we stand ready, willing, and able to assist you regardless of to what problem you might be facing in your spiritual life. We're here to help one another. You know, we're not here to 
to point fingers. We're not here to throw stones. We're here to help one another. And if you need help tonight, please let us know. That's why we're here. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you need the Lord, if you need to obey the gospel, you need the prayers of the church, please don't hesitate. Make it known. Come forward, have a seat on the front. We will minister to you. We'll assist you as we stand together and encourage you with a song.